This week on Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. This was a fight in which eight people decided to effectively hand control of the House over to the Democratic Party. That's what happened here. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. Chaos in the U.S. House. What happens next for the GOP conference? And some advice from the Senate side. And uh, I see Kevin. Kevin's pulled the fire alarm. Oh, I was trying just to delay. I was trying to get out the door to get here to podcast on time. (laughs) You know, why did that open the door? Why can't? (laughs) Why can't? Here's the thing. Why can't Republicans learn from the Democrats and pull the fire alarm yeah. when they when they want, they want to stop and it, 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 before we go down the the, the road to uh, infamy? Here. Because we don't want to commit felonies, Joe. Oh, well, I think it's a felony. I you know it's well, the crazy thing about all of this complete self sabotage of the Republican Party in 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 Washington D.C. is the fact that if they just would get out of the way, Democrats would do things like this and completely take care of it. For themselves. Hey, could you finish introducing us? Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't introduce. I didn't in- interrupt myself with uh, fire alarms, Kevin. Well, even after Bowman pulled the fire alarm, they went ahead and had the had the vote. Anyway, he was he so. was rushing so quick to vote. He voted over you know, an hour later. You know what's crazy about that whole story? And it's and, and, and the fact well, number one is the fact it's largely forgotten now. And he's thinking, thank God, he's yeah. thinking for Matt Gates. Um, a lot of Democrats are saying, thank God for Matt Gates. Isn't that something? Yeah, they all uh, voted with him. Exactly. Every single one. I'll, I'll tell you who's really saying it: <coughs> Ilan Omar. You see oh, yeah. that oh. video of her licking yeah. her lips, looking like she was looking at Matt Gates like Lauren Boebert looks at her next first date. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, she looked at him. By the uh, way, that's Scott Jennings talking, and Kevin Brown is here, and I'm Joe Arnold. Find you're, yourself you're somebody who table looks host. at you like Omar looks at Gates. <laughs> Lord have mercy, Scott. They're not even related. I am. <laughs> She's also a little old for him, I think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I, Scott called me Eeyore coming into the uh, the podcast tonight because I'm just down. I mean, yeah. just I. It's one thing if for one element of of our government or of uh, institution to be failing. It seems like right now that there's this general disorder. It's you know when when you look at the at the 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 lack of law and order in American cities, if you look at the the lack of of law and order, if you will, in the U.S. House, you, just all of this just seems to be falling apart. Well, yeah, I think yeah. that's about right. All right, yeah. anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually we actually haven't been together or even chatted not in person as here, a group yeah. since. So the last time we talked, the government hadn't yet come to the brink. Mm-hmm. Then over the weekend. McCarthy, in his last act, keeps the government open. And then we have this. So a lot of stuff has happened. You know what was interesting to me about the almost shutdown? The people who were having a meltdown about shutting down the government, the media, some of the Democrats. Of course, these are the same people who are cheering on the shutting down of the U.S. auto industry. They cheered on shutting down every small business in America. They cheered on shutting down our schools. So I was like trying to keep a list. Like, what are we supposed to celebrate shutting down, and what is it bad to shut down? And 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 basically, the only thing they don't want to shut down is the government. Everything else you're supposed to shut down and celebrate. But oh, shut down the government! You're they did, they did shut shut down the House of Representatives by kicking the Speaker out. They did yeah. do that as well. You're you're reminding me of something else that pissed me off this week, and I'm using pejoratives <laughs> here. Well, today I was I was driving and listening to the president uh, in a. Uh, I guess it was a news conference, uh, whatever it was, talking about the student loans and trying. Basically, he said, you know, Supreme Court did it, did it wrong. We're, we're going to find a way around them, you know, around the law. But um, the fact that he, again, is demagoguing the uh, PPP loans and s- talking about the fact that, well, how, how hypocritical it is for members of Congress to be opposed to student uh, to, to forgiving student loan debt when some of them themselves received PPP loans. I'm like, wait a second, time out. Who shut down companies? Who yeah. shut down? I mean, the government shut. Speaking of shuts down, we, we should. We, as you said before, you, we shut down the entire country. 
and this and that handing out these scraps for the sake of um, keeping companies alive. And the loans, and, they, were, and not they, using it against them. They were never pitched as loans, right? They were pitched as grants. Yeah, they called them loans, but they said up front: a, they begged people to take them. Yeah. Right? B, they said if you take them, and if you just do what we tell you to do, which is spend it on your workers, so pass it through to right. your workers, it will be immediately forgiven. So it was pitched as a grant program. Well, in fact, so in other words, the, con- the, the conditions of the grant were known from the very beginning. Right. Correct. As opposed to the student loans, which are the conditions are you repay it. Yeah. No. So the end result here is going to be no small business I can think of in America is going to trust the government again. If oh. the government says, please come, we're here to help you. Let me tell you, that that is one thing I have learned about um, Democrats being in power is that if they come to you and say, oh, you should do this or right. you should do that, just understand they will use it against you if it becomes convenient for them to do so. So remember the message of the government at the time, begging, mm-hmm. begging companies to do this program because they didn't want a whole bunch of extra private sector workers on unemployment. Right. Remember, unemployment was failing as we know here in Kentucky, it was failing across the country. So they said, how can we keep all these people from going on unemployment? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll give money to the companies. They'll pass it through to the workers. That'll keep people off unemployment. It, it worked in a lot of cases, and there was some fraud. Yeah. Absolutely true. That's being prosecuted That's to this being, day. But, but now, for Democrats who touted the program right. to be using it as a bludgeoning tool, not really against their political opponents as much as just average, ordinary Americans— it's pretty rough, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. And when, by the way, when they say, "Oh, we need more IRS agents," I mean, th- this will be the kind of stuff that they do. It'll be like, "Oh, what can we? What can we do?" You misfiled your TPS report. Yeah, I mean, what jail. Can, what can we do within the confines of of these laws that we've passed to screw some unsuspecting small business? That's who they are coming for. It's not the billionaires, not even the millionaires. It's like the mom and pops who are just trying to. I just feel like increasingly in our politics, it's coming down to a choice between the people who just want to get up, go to work, follow the rules, follow the laws, do what you're supposed to do. If the government says, hey, do this, you do it. If the government says, hey, don't do that, you don't do it. You send your kids to school. You pay for their college. If you just sort of do the things you're supposed to do, you're in like group A. And increasingly, it feels like Biden and the Democrats are making group A out to be the enemy. They're the enemy. This isn't even hypothetical anymore. AOC this week was talking about expanding New York's top tax rate to include, you know, high wage earners like teachers, public sector workers. Basically, if you have a paycheck. If you have a paycheck, she's going to take most of it. Right. But what you're talking about, though, and this goes back to obviously the the big story that we're still living through as a country, and this is the the vacant speakership, is is this whole concept of my way or the highway, you know, is in the sense that this, I need everything or you can have nothing. And Democrats and the Gates eight, you know, at this point are the ones who have, who are the prevailing victors in this ongoing battle. It reminds me of the, of the terrorists during a lot of the protests in American cities a few years ago, who would, who would just burn things down because I'm upset about, you know, about the laws are not being passed the way that I think they should be. As a result, I have license to do whatever the hell damage I want to the rest of the country. Yeah, my my anger justifies property destruction. My anger justifies me, you know, uh, massively impeding your life, local business owner or local business patron. My anger justifies virtually anything that I want to do. And there were more than a handful of politicians in this country who were willing to enable that viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And my anger in in Washington, D.C. the last few days... Uh, justifies burning down the house for the sake of whatever personal grievance that I happen to have. Whether I mean, at this point, it, it was so crazy to me to l- listen to the the really kind of schoolyard, middle school hurt feelings type of of, of aggravations people were were complaining about. Yeah, you know, and and rather than looking at the big picture. Yeah, I, I don't even think these people are mad about anything that happened on the floor. I think they have learned to come to view politics as nothing more than a grab for attention, nothing more than a business in which, above all else, self-aggrandizement is 
what matters. Not passing a law, not helping the team, in this case the Republican Party, advance its policy goals. This is the wages, by the way, of having a party with no platform or having a party with no coherent ideology. When the party is just built on personalities and and the attention that a personality can drive, that's what you get. And increasingly, I think some of these folks have come to view the Republican Party as a non-ideological, uh, hollowed-out ship floating on the <laughs> ocean of public affairs, and it's just to be boarded and sailed in any direction that you think advances you. And, and it's crazy to me that eight people uh, could do this to the Speaker of the House. Uh, what do we have, Kevin? Well, we've got Representative Kelly Armstrong talking just about this. He is a Republican from North Dakota talking about this very incentive structure that has been built. Mr. Armstrong. Gentleman from North Dakota, Mr. Armstrong, is recognized with the remaining three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Let's be clear why we're here. Because the incentive structure in this town is completely broken. We no longer value loyalty, integrity, competence, or collaboration. Instead, we have descended to a place where clicks, TV hits, and the never-ending quest for the most mediocre taste of celebrity drives decisions and encourages juvenile behavior that is so far beneath this esteemed body. Kevin McCarthy has done more in nine months to restore the People's House than any speaker in decades. We have done regular order. We have had open amendments, and every single member of this chamber has the right, the ability, and the opportunity. Yeah, I think that was well said. I actually thought a lot of the people who spoke on McCarthy's behalf made excellent comments, including Thomas Massey, Kentucky's 4th District Congressman, uh, including Andy Barr, uh, who made a lot of comments for, for Kevin McCarthy. I think all their arguments were the correct arguments, but this wasn't really a fight in which the correct arguments were destined to win out. This was a fight in which eight people decided to effectively hand control of the House over to the Democratic Party. That's what happened here. The Republicans don't have a functioning majority. There's now three parties, Democrats, Republicans, and this group of eight, roughly, that the last two things we've seen them do are kill Kevin McCarthy's more conservative continuing resolution, which cut spending and funded the border. And then they joined Democrats to kill that. Then they joined Democrats to kill McCarthy. So their last two actions, effectively, they're now part of the Democratic conference. And Matt Gates and all of this got exactly what he wanted. It's not good governance. It's not a more conservative policy. After McCarthy lost the speakership, Matt Gates was out on the steps of the House, surrounded by hundreds yeah. of reporters. TV cameras, people with phones in his face, trying hanging on his every word. He was at the center of all of it. And let's be honest, that's exactly what he wants. The surest way to get attention in Washington, D.C., if you're a Republican, oh. attack another Republican. Yeah. That's right. By the way, we got to talk about uh, Nancy Mace. Yeah. That was, that was another one of these kind of hurt feelings type things. Well, listen to what she said. He wouldn't schedule votes on any of my priorities. Do you know what the last bill to pass the House was before Kevin McCarthy was defenestrated. It was a bill called the MACE Act, <laughs> Modernizing the Acquisition of Cybersecurity Experts Act, the MACE Act. She literally named a bill after herself, and Kevin McCarthy scheduled a vote, and it passed. So she's out saying, he wouldn't schedule a vote on my priorities. He literally took the bill that you named after yourself and passed it out of the house. It was the last thing that he did. And this is the same Nancy Mace who went to the prayer breakfast and was having this weird conversation about, oh, well, I didn't have you know sex with my non-married partner today. Jeez, Good for me. At the prayer breakfast, yeah. At you, the prayer what are, breakfast. What are you even doing right now? I'm just explaining the people He's who are running gotten, our government. I mean, I know we got I know ear we're, over here. I know we're <laughs> recording the podcast late at night, but this might be listened to during like, Normal business hours. Well, and she said it in a, at a morning prayer the, breakfast. This is the first time we'll have to label the podcast NSFW. <laughs> right. Thanks to Kevin and yeah. his naughty talk down there. But, but to, all, <laughs> to all your points, though, and Scott, you're exactly right about a lack of a platform and the fact that this, these are all mini Trumps all running around. Everyone wants to be Donald Trump. And then, I mean, frankly, it goes back to what we talked about last week on the podcast with after the uh, 
the last Republican pr- primary debate among the the also rans, and that it was it was a contest to see you know who could be the most like Trump. That the, the, the at least the uh, the uh, the moderators were were positioning that way. It's everyone wants to be Trump. I think, by the way, the uh, some of the media commentary about these defectors. Oh, these are the conservatives. No, they're really not. Kevin, let's hear from the speaker, Kevin McCarthy. We're not that young anymore. No, let's be fair. And it's wrong that you ever say they are not conservatives. They voted against one, the greatest cut in history that Congress has ever voted for, two trillion. They voted against work requirements. They voted against NEPA reform. They voted against border security. They voted against God. They don't get to say they're conservative because they're angry and they're chaotic. That's not the party I belong to. The party of Reagan was if you believed in your principles that you could govern in a conservative way. They are not conservatives and they do not have the right to have the title. Yeah, I, I think that was well said in that long press conference from Kevin McCarthy after he was uh, ousted. I thought most of that press conference was extremely illuminating. Some of it was a little weird, but I was glad he got a chance to say what was on his mind. Well, it was his, I mean, while he was still relevant uh, at this point. I mean, it, it, well, he, he said, just wait, I'll write a book. There, there's more yeah. coming. <laughs> no, I, I, his staff kept trying to cut it off. They kept shouting one more question, and he said, I'm going to be here at this podium for a while, and he kept answering questions. And apparently he's going to be in the neighborhood for a while, too, because he's going to be using the, the office there off the floor that Nancy Pelosi has been using, right? This, this is an interesting story because it started to break that Patrick McHenry, who is now the acting speaker, he, his, he, he of the strong gavel. Right, who whacked the gavel. He, he of the super. bow ties. He's, he's known for short man with the big tie. I'll be honest. I've watched that video. Like, when I watch him bang that gavel, I, every time I watch I expect the handle to break. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think it, he does, too. <laughs> uh, uh, but his first act was to kick Nancy Pelosi out of her hideaway office. Of course, the media had a meltdown about this. And then I guess I read that they're also kicking out Steny Hoyer right. yeah. out of his. But Kevin McCarthy said in his press conference that Nancy Pelosi promised him that if they ever pulled this card, she would have his back, that she would help him fight it off. And I think he viewed it as an act of betrayal. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not really all that no. upset it's, about well, that. It's, it's not even that she wasn't there. Like, she could be in California because of Senator Feinstein's funeral. She put out that statement that basically washed her hands of it and said the Republicans are going to eat themselves because... You know, going back, Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy have a pretty historically bad relationship. Yeah. But when she made that promise to him, I think it meant something. And then she just so cavalierly walked away from it. Of course he was going to say something. Yeah, I uh, I have to say, I am, I understand why the Democrats didn't want to vote to save McCarthy. I, I, I get it. As a political matter, I get it. But I really think they're going to regret this. And... Um, well, let, let's look at the, the next order policy implications. The, the number one is, to me, the Democrats have been arguing uh, that Ukraine deserves more funding and deserves continued American support. Now, they had a speaker in Kevin McCarthy that agreed with him, uh, you know, and he had slightly different language, but he, he was going to do that. And now, I suspect Matt Gates and his group are going to make the next Republican speaker make one promise— no more money for Ukraine. So you know who the big loser was here with Democrats block voting? Zelensky. They voted to screw Zelensky. And so honestly, the big winner is Vladimir Putin. And they, and, and they and truthfully, as a policy matter, they voted to screw Joe Biden because Joe Biden has argued. Mm-hmm. So their own president, who's who I read today, is now said, oh, I'm very concerned about, yeah. about Ukraine. Well, you should be. Your party just voted to pull the rug out from under Zelensky. And so now he's going to give a speech. But they've already, the die is cast. A Republican will not become Speaker unless they promise Gates no more for Ukraine. Well, okay, but on that note, given the fact that the stakes are getting higher and, and, and the, our understanding of the stakes are, is still developing, right, in terms of the, the, the vacant Speakership and or who takes that place, does this then lend itself to Democrats Okay, they've they've gotten their pound of flesh with McCarthy being gone, but could you have a coalition speaker? 
Uh, I don't know. I, I heard people arguing. I was up in CNN land last night, and of course there were people on the panel yeah. arguing that. Oh, it, it's it's we but, have, but it's just, just like, it's if, just as far fetched as like electing somebody who's not a member of the House Speaker. It's like right. sure it could happen, it could happen, but you know West Wing well, is not real. But I'm life. saying, but but ultimately, if Joe Biden would call Democrats and say, "I need," listen, if not for this, we're going to lose Ukraine. Well, they had it. They had it in Kevin McCarthy, yeah. and they already. So this, I, I understand. The, the Rubicon is already. Crossed. I understand, but but this is like the dog that caught the car. You know, at this point, you're saying, "Okay, fine, great," but now we're really screwed. Wait, but so, which you, but, one of the extreme MAGA Republicans that Joe Biden has called the entire Republican House Conference yeah. extreme MAGA Republicans? Could which a, could one a, of could them a Democrat vote for? Would no. they? Could they, with a straight face, stand behind? Not gonna happen, dude. I'm not hoping for it or even predicting it. I'm asking, nah, and you've answered. <laughs> I don't. I just. I. This I, is a new job for Kamala but, Harris. But, but I'm saying. But, but Scott, to your point, then, if these are the conditions, first of all, so all the conditions, including the like the you know the the one vote majority to vacate, mm-hmm. if all these conditions are in place, and you're you're saying they're going to add even more conditions now, who would even accept that job? A lunatic. I mean, you'd have to be insane to accept the job. Under the conditions of the motion to vacate, which we could just briefly explain. For I guess Kevin, the history of Congress, this is how this is what the rule was. Except no one Except ever did for, it. it. Was I think Nancy Pelosi is the one who well, changed it for a while. Okay, go ahead. Let me finish. Yes. Yeah, so right, right. so for the entirety of the history of the country, it existed, but no one ever did it. Right. Except one time, and, and it lost. They tried to take out Joe Cannon, Joe Cannon and, yeah. and he beat him. So then when Pelosi became Speaker. She wisely changed the rule and made it was the majority of the majority. Yeah. Making it so that the minority party could never do it. And that so basically she insulated herself from it. Smartly. So then when McCarthy became speaker, what he gave in to was one person. And I remember that back during the negotiations over his speakership. It was like, well, let's do fifteen. How about ten? How about yeah. five? And then they settled on one. And I actually actually did a segment on CNN last December in which this and I said this is like hanging a piano from a wire over your head and handing Matt Gates the scissors. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he finally used them. So the next so so if you're this group and you like having this power over the speaker, why would you give it up? Right. Why would you give it up? I guess I keep thinking naively that better angels that that Why? The, Matt Gates has gotten everything he wanted. I understand, but as, as, that's, this, this goes back to, again, the naive notion that there would somehow be some Democrats or someone because th- that, would, that would come over and say, let's do this. Now, Mitch McConnell, Kentucky's senior senator and the Republican leader, rarely offers advice to the U.S. House of Representatives. But he did today. The obvious answer is we need to get a speaker, and hopefully we'll get one by next uh, week. And I'll repeat what I said earlier, which is I think to do that job for anyone, you have to get rid of the motion to vacate because it puts whoever the speaker is in uh, a hammerlock of dysfunction. So a hammerlock of dysfunction, which actually would be an amazing name for a band. And it's definitely the title of this episode. And yeah. it may also be the title of Mitch McConnell's next memoir, Hammerlock of Dysfunction. <laughs> it sounds like one of your one of your wrestling uh, radio p- pieces you did years I ago. I mean, I mean, but that is he is exactly right. And but it, to me, it's not just the rule; it's all the other promises right. that this next person is going to have to make. It'll be Ukraine. It'll be the rule. It'll be it'll be a bunch of stuff. So Mitch b- agrees with me, but. But you're saying this is unrealistic because well, I, I'm, how, I'm, how, how is the Gang of Eight going to? Uh, I shouldn't malign the former you gang, say of eight. gang of Eight. No, no. The, it's the, the Gang of Hate. The Gang of hey. Eight. <laughs> the, the, it's, 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 it's the Gates Eight. Uh, but how are they ever going to? Or, or do they hate Kevin McCarthy so much that it's it's more about? Because I mean, what Nancy May said is, I don't trust Kevin McCarthy. Matt Matt Gates previously said he would support Steve Scalise for speaker. And that was, I think, back in January. And he said it again last night. But but did but he do say, you be, do you believe him? But did he say no. I'll support him and I'll change the rules? No. 
I, I just think, I think if Scalise is, I mean, what Scalise has to do, of course you have Jim Jordan there who's going to be probably more in support of keeping the rules the way that they are. Yeah. You know, so that's the, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, so, I don't know. but I would like, I would like for us to, I mean, the, 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 the irony of all this would be if the next speaker emerges with, with the, the, that sort of Damocles no longer hanging over their head. That would be what is best. I just find it unlikely. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll be right. I hope you're right, and McConnell hopes you're right as well. I just don't know why, if you if you want if you enjoy having that power. I mean, when have you ever known politicians to willingly give up power? And right now, love it or hate it, the gates of hell group control the floor of the House of Representatives because they are now willing to caucus with either party. Let me ask you a question, both of you, electorally here. As you pointed out, Scott, uh, you know, first of all, Joe Biden is is terribly underwater poll wise. I oh. mean, his performance is 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 terrible. You had you know Democrats pulling fire alarms, Kevin, uh, to to try to stop votes. Oh, did you want to listen to it? Again? No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Hunter Biden pleading guilty, not guilty in court. Right. You got Joe Biden's dog biting folks every day. So all this, but electorally now, <laughs> with Republicans now the symbol of dysfunction. What yeah. would you, what'd you call it again? The hammerlock, the hammerlock of dysfunction. That's what Mitch would call it. So at this point, have Republicans just completely uh, undermined any kind of of uh, advantage they would have electorally, or is is this all forgotten when the next speaker is elected? I actually don't think most people care who the speaker is. They're not really. I mean, I, I think they're famous, but they're not as famous as the president. Yeah, and to get the job is not a popularly elected thing. They don't make the talk show circuit the way. Uh, other people do. So the, I, I think they are lower tier political celebrities, which is to say most Americans I really think could give a rip who it but, is. However, okay. however, to your point, I do think in the next election, Biden is suffering mightily and he's likely to have really upside down numbers going into the election. And so people are going to say, well, uh, I'm really upset with Biden. I don't think he's done anything to help. In fact, he's probably done things to hurt. So I guess... I would like to vote for the alternative, but it feels like they're just off the rails. Which, by the way, is exactly what happened in the midterm. Yep. Right, that's yep. That's right. Biden was underwater. Mm-hmm. Independent voters said, well, his policies are at best not helping, and at worst, they're hurting. And they still voted for Democrats in a lot of these big races because they decided that it was too risky to go with the Trump-aligned alternative. How did John Fetterman win it and Herschel Walker didn't? Because those are two of the same, this two pieces of the same pot. It's a whole other story. Well, I, I mean, the independent I, I voters right. in Pennsylvania and Georgia made the same decision, yep. which I don't want the Trump-aligned Republican, Dr. Oz or Herschel Walker. And so they even voted for Fetterman. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They even voted for Fetterman because they were too worried about... Speaking of off the rails. ...the other party being off the rails. Now, you know, so did they totally undermine their... I mean, look, a lot of things are going to happen, and most people are going to wind up making their mind on this election based on the top of the ticket. But if you're the Republican Party and you're trying to build a record of trustworthiness with average voters, like, we can make it better, I don't think this helped. I'll give you one other thing. In August, CNN poll, August the 3rd, it came out, asked Americans, who do you trust to handle the nation's biggest problems? 51% said Republicans in Congress. 45% said Joe Biden. So the main Republican leader in Congress is Kevin McCarthy. So I would argue what he was doing politically was working. People had come to view the Republicans under his leadership, as being more trustworthy than Biden. So what did we do? <laughs> Tossed his ass Can't out. Can't have well, that. No. Well, to be, to <laughs> be clear, to be clear, Democrats, and not surprisingly because it is a partisan institution, voted him out with the help of the of the the Gates Eight. But but I'm saying that these eight people who are saying that they are Republicans, and they're being positioned as Republicans in the media to the average voter. It's like, well, it looks like Republicans got rid I mean, the, the way it's being portrayed is that Republicans threw out McCarthy because he was being too much of a compromiser with Democrats. I mean, that was the—I mean, the last thing he really did was work with the Democrats to keep the government open. Right. And this was the final straw that broke the camel's back? 
So, so as party branding, we're punishing the people who actually reached across the aisle to just do something very basic. Keep the government in open. divided okay. government when that's exactly what the voters want us to be doing or want them to be doing anyway. Speaking, yes. of, speaking of which, Kevin, how did the Kentucky congressional delegation vote on this? Uh, well, we have six members, as you know, five Republicans, one Democrat. All five Republicans stood with the speaker and were, as Scott has alluded to earlier, very outspoken, standing with Speaker McCarthy. Uh, the one Democrat, Louisville's Morgan McGarvey, uh, took a different tack. He voted to vacate the speaker, and then he posted this very strange video. You got to. I'm going to find it. So first of all, we have to read the tweet. Let me, while you look that up, let's talk about the Republicans for a second, because I think Kentucky's delegation is insightful. Mm-hmm. To me, the two most extreme ends, not extreme, the, the, two, the two ends that are maybe farthest apart in the Republican conference are actually adjoining districts, Kentucky 4 and Kentucky 5, Thomas Massey and Hal Rogers. Both of them support Kevin McCarthy, and Massey made impassioned remarks. Massey was incredible. He was. Because he even said, I was there trying to get rid of Speaker Boehner back in the day. I'm one of the last two guys around here who tried this motion to vacate before. And so... It it ain't smart this time. And so within Kentucky's delegation, you have sort of the two opposite ends of the Republican conference, and they were in agreement that McCarthy was doing a good job. Now, to Morgan McGarvey, who posted one of the stupidest things... I have seen out of a Kentucky congressman in quite some time. So, Kevin, just to refresh, McGarvey voted with Matt Gates. Yes. He voted the Gates position. He's a freshman member of the House, so this is one of his first votes still. And then he posted, read the tweet that he posted. <clears throat> Instead of working to do our jobs and pass a full budget for the American people, Matt Gates and the extremist Republicans just voted to end Kevin McCarthy's speakership. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) He's attacking Gates for ending McCarthy's speakership after supporting the He voted to do. This was the dumbest effing thing. And I think he immediately got roasted roasted on Twitter. And then he, he, he went to the Democrat standard. This is unprecedented. An unprecedented day on the House floor. For the first time in the history of our country, we watched as the extremist MAGA Republicans removed a speaker from the United States House of Representatives. Who did it? It also looks like a hostage video in more ways than one. Uh, So let's talk about what it means and what it looks like going forward. Uh, The first thing is there is no speaker right now. Kevin McCarthy is no longer the speaker of the House. There is a speaker pro tem. So the speaker pro tem will have an election because we have to have a speaker to conduct business on the floor of the house. Next thing that happens, we will have another election for a new speaker. Yes, Kevin McCarthy could get reelected speaker. So we'll have to watch and see what happens there. Not happening. But no business can take place until we have a new speaker. And that's why I absolutely take no joy in the Republican dysfunction we're seeing right now. Which he, he, voted, he for. voted for. We have less than 45 days for all the right, government shut, to shut be this funded so, and remain open. First of all, <laughs> virtually every vote to remove McCarthy was a Democrat vote, yeah. including his. Right. This is, one all, of the most, all but eight. this is one of the most dishonest things. My God. I mean, look, I like Morgan. Yeah. And we've done things together over the years and done public forums and stuff, and I generally regard him as a... Straight shooter, but boy, you talk about a, a case of somebody gone Washington. Lord have mercy. I mean, he doesn't Morgan, you know better. Come on, right? That looks like a script that was handed down by Democrat leadership. Hey, everybody, go. You know, this will be great back in your district. Th- this was. <laughs> and by the way, did any of the Louisville or Kentucky media like pick up on this? Of course not. Come on, where are where are you guys? This is one of the most craven, dishonest things. That could happen. Just letting it happen. Looking ahead now, what's going to uh, any any predictions on uh, next speaker on timing? I guess, I mean, back to my uh, Eeyore moment here, for and in, in just you know looking for more things just to fall out of the sky in our heads is, uh, you know, we're what forty days away from the government shutting down again. Yeah, um, and I don't know how they're going to get that you know resolved before. You know, with without naming somebody, the next the, the next thing to happen, as I understand it, is they're off now. Yeah, and they go back next week, and there'll be a candidate forum on Tuesday, 
I guess, for all the candidates to make their case. And then I, I guess they're hoping to start voting on Wednesday. Now, remember, the entire House elects the Speaker. Mm-hmm. So the Democrats will nominate Jeffries, who will get all the Democrat votes. And so this will be a replay of what we saw back in January. Can I ask you a question to remind me of this? Because it was happening during the vote on Tuesday. Mm. Is the ultimate deciding margin or, or vote, is it of the of the people who are voting or is it the people who are in office? The people who are voting. voting. So, so, so if, if people are there, absent, if you're not there, that affects the overall number you need. Two things. If you're not there or if you just vote present, right. that lowers the threshold. That's what some of these, you know, profiles encouraged did when Speaker McCarthy got elected. Yeah, some of these folks voted present. Oh, and so that's how he ended up getting over the line. So you expect, we, you know, Joe referenced there are multiple Republicans who have already put their name in the ring. Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, there may be others. But you expect the Republican conference to nominate one person to bring to the floor. Well, here's what I predict a lot is of, happen. A lot of that nominating will go on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. I don't know. Do, you, do we think that? I mean, remember, when, when McCarthy got it, there were multiple nominations during the balloting. Remember, there was like somebody would nominate McCarthy, then they would nominate Byron Donalds, then they would nominate Donald Trump, then they would nominate. But there would be there was one conference nominee, and then the Yahoos. But I, but but I'm saying it doesn't matter because yeah. because whether the conference nominates one person or not, I mean, there's already members saying they're going to nominate Trump. Yeah. Didn't Bobert say that? Didn't Marjorie Taylor Greene say that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, now, my understanding is he's ineligible because he's under indictment. That's, a, that's one of the rules of the Republican conference is you can't be under indictment to, to become speaker. So <laughs> You can't you buy a gun. <laughs> can't be way, under my indictment. Prediction, my prediction is is that Hakeem Jeffries is the next speaker because Representative Jamal Bowman is going to pull the elevator. <laughs> he's going to get all the Republicans, like enough Republicans in the elevator, and then pull that emergency switch. And they won't be able to vote. We are literally stuck on this elevator. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be what's get out. Can you? How many Republicans do you need to have in our elevator to be able to to change to have Hakeem Jeffries as the next speaker? Not very many. Wouldn't take that many. Some big elevators there in the Capitol complex. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, so, I'm giving him an idea now. <laughs> so I don't know. I I mean Scalise, the majority floor leader, is running. He's announced. Jim Jordan, the head of the Judiciary Committee, is announced. Uh, the other people that I have heard, Kevin Hearn, is he the Republican study chairman? Yeah. yeah. Which is the biggest caucus yeah. or a biggest group of Republicans within the House conference. Yeah. Now, what I have not heard from, but have I, I've seen them on TV and they have been among the most vocal critics of Gates. This uh, group of Republicans who like live or represent the Biden districts. So like Congressman Lawler from New York. The Omaha, uh. Bacon. Bacon, done bacon, yeah. Uh, and there's a handful of those guys. You wonder if they might not have an opinion about who the speaker should be. Is there anyone, and if I think Donald Trump is a joke uh, in general and also for the speaker, but is there anyone that is non, a non-representative that you think would no, potentially not be? Happen. No, I, I, I understand what, in what, uh, Trump does. My suspicion is he'll get behind somebody after it's already decided yeah. and then try to take credit for it. Yeah. Now, it is noteworthy to me that the reporting tonight is that McCarthy didn't call Trump and ask for help. And, of course, Trump didn't lift a finger. Now, he was in court. And he was <laughs> all little, he said is, busy. why can't Republicans all just get along? I don't know why Republicans are always fighting amongst each other. I wonder where they learned it. <laughs> I wonder where they learned it. Motivated by self-interest. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, I would think Scalise is the odds-on favorite because um, he's already an elected leader mm-hmm. and has proven he can get votes in the conference. He, you know, I think his his story is inspiring, and obviously, yeah. you know, the he, he he so he and he has a lot of friends. But I, but there's a lot of time between now and next Wednesday for right. crap to happen. And I already, I mean, I saw a few people on Twitter tonight throwing some shade at Steve Scalise, and we we need a total break from the previous leadership team. So I. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen. Actually, the fact that this is being delayed until next week, though, is probably a mistake by a number of people because think of all the generations of news stories and other machinations of, of you know plots behind the scenes that are happening between now and then. I mean, think about the number of interviews 
Matt Gates can give in that amount of time. I mean, I've, I've heard some people posit that it, it, you know, Patrick McHenry may be in this thing for a while. Yeah. Because it may take a while. So I Now, is he able to conduct any business, or are all they able to do vote? I honestly don't know. Yeah. I am not certain what the deal— Now, the reason he's in, by the way, is because in the post-9-11 world, the Speaker of the House has to designate emergency speakers. A secret list that he gave to the clerk yes. and no one else has seen. So the emergency was that the Speaker got— Tossed out, not a terrorist attack. I guess it was a terrorist attack, but not like <laughs> an actual terrorist. And so that's why he is in uh, for for right now. I I don't know. It's it's a mystery to me what we're gonna do. I do know, like like you said, we got to fund the government. But do you think the Republicans now have a stronger hand or a weaker hand when it comes to arguing for spending cuts, border security, et cetera, et cetera? I, th- I, I think weaker. I mean, weaker. I, I, everything is weaker. Yeah. yeah. The, I think the brand is weaker. I think the— Our I institutions mean, are weaker? Institutions are weaker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know who—who who is stronger out of all this? Chaos. People who prefer chaos. People who think politics is a vehicle for, you know, fortune and glory. Oh, and House Democrats. House Democrats are so stronger. good job, everybody. Well, and, and to your point about chaos, this goes back to my Eeyore, you know, moment here at the beginning here because you know Wall Street is spooked by a number of things. Not just this was already going on. Yeah, you know, we already have uh, you know labor unrest. You have healthcare workers and auto workers and a whole other you know host of people on strike, and of course you have inflation rampant. You have you know people having difficult time just making ends meet. A surge in violent crime across the country. Well, exactly. Uh, and and this is this is what we're talking about. In fact, I have to. I have to, Speaking of violent crime, did you guys? I, I'm assuming you've seen the WDRB television story. Oh my gosh! Yeah. In uh, in in Louisville, I guess that was on Tuesday night, mm. and it was. It's just a scandal. I mean, I, I I'm I'm watching this and just saying, wait a second. The the Metro Police Department is saying in an internal memo that none of the the state reported criminal the, the crime statistics are accurate yeah and in fact they're all underreported and the report was was written so that Andy Bashir could have a campaign press conference and try to argue that crime is coming down so it is quite obvious to me that somebody generated fake statistics so that Andy Bashir could make claims that simply weren't true. It's amazing. It's amazing. So as a result, I mean, so a, a decrease in crime was not actually happening. It was an increase. Yeah. It was an increase in crime. An increase in stupidity, too. It's, uh, it, 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 look, all, all, crime, teacher numbers, job numbers, every major statistic that you might want to know about to judge the health of a state, Andy Bashir has lied about it. He's lied every time one of these reports or one of these sort of numerical markers comes out. He has absolutely lied about it. This is the most recent one, and it's quite consequential because, as you know, he and Cameron have been having a debate about what to do. Cameron has said, well, we need a state police post in Louisville. He said it on this podcast, first time he ever said it. Yeah. And I think Bashir was part of the pushback was, well, you know, I trust the Louisville police. And oh, by the way, crime is coming down. Complete fabrication. Totally made up. I have to wonder, you know, Metro Police, and this was, I think, the result of an open records request by WDRB doggedly pursuing this story. You know, the, uh, Metro Police, have, has, they haven't, you know, had like a news conference saying this is, we are at odds with the state here. This is all just a result of people, you know, having the effort to go about. But I have to wonder about, this is only one police agency yep. out of 120 counties what if there's others i don't i mean i mean uh, why would you trust any other number from any other county at this point has any media outlet asked or tried to like piece together who transmitted the statistics from the city to the state there is some reporting by wdrb in their longer version on the story and again i i probably should give credit to the reporter here and i need to look this up um who actually is doing the some real journalism here um but apparently there is Maybe in in this case, an attempt to explain uh, some of this by saying that there was sort of like a lag in or like the, the timing of the reporting. It might be at different times of the year, et cetera. Marcus Green, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing here. Thank you, Kevin, is the reporter looking into this. I don't know how long he had to be looking into it and open yeah. requests. But, you know, mm-hmm. even then, you have to wonder about the, any explanations at this point. But, I mean, the the 
the first inkling that there was a problem was when it was a, it was such a jarring and obviously inaccurate number when the state was reporting that Louisville had had 64 homicides in 2022 when it actually was 164. So you can look at that and say, oh, okay, let's, that's one digit. Maybe that was just one mistake. But then, to Marcus's credit and WDRB's credit, they decided to look at other numbers and say, wait a second, this, this is wrong. And then literally the memo then says none of these statistics are true. That's something else. It, I'm, I, 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 like I said before, I don't use the word scandal um, you know, loosely. But, 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 the, here, but, but you know what frustrates me about this and other stories is that they happen, and we all agree, man, this is a scandal. And then it feels like nothing ever happens. Yeah. You've got the mayor of London, Weddle, yeah. who clearly and repeatedly broke state campaign finance law. Right. No one seems to care. You've got Bashir shaking down the Barron County economic development people, demanding that they pay money to the Democrat Governors Association in order to get meetings with state economic development officials at the governor's mansion. No one seems to care. Uh, you have a clear example here of Andy Bashir manipulating statistics in order to make it seem like crime is getting better. But is anyone going to ask, how did this really come about? And was it a mistake? And and no one seems to care. I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that if a Republican had done any of the things yeah. I just said, reporters would literally be jumping off the roof in, in, in absolute agony. They would be like the living embodiment of the burning Elmo. <laughs> yes, I'm going to I'm going to read one this one sentence from this Marcus Green report online, and of course, do, do yourself a favor and log on to wdrb.com and look for the story because Marcus Green is a is a uh, uh, detailed journalist, yeah, and really does a good job too of of putting things in context. This is the one sentence I think that really is just if it, if 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 it wasn't horrible, it would be funny. Um, the state report indicates that serious crime reported by LMPD dropped by more than 19%, but the numbers LMPD said it submitted would result in a 12% increase. Yeah. That is a sizable <laughs> difference. Well, and, it, and one went up, one went down. Well, and think about the net it's not like a t- margin. It's not like, hey... It's it 2 went, or 3%. It, you know. That's a huge... But the narrative is what matters here. And the, the, the preferred narrative of Bashir is, oh, crime's actually coming down. In fact, at the Kentucky Chamber yes, event the other night, he got asked about. He said, "Well, actually, violent crime is a statistic is actually coming down." He was repeating it. Yep, repeating it. It's a lie. It's a lie. I, Were there any uh, reporters in that room when he said that? There's like 25 reporters back there. Yeah, the that's right. That's right. So, and and this is toward the end of the story. And this is what's interesting. I think, you know, for LMPD to be as direct as what it was internally is one thing. But the public statement, after weeks of emailed questions to both departments, the KSP spokesperson and LMPD issued a joint statement on September 13th. Oh, they got their ducks in a huddle. Oh, yeah. It said, (laughs) LMPD and KSP are now both aware of the mislabeled submission, and we continue to be committed to making sure all crime data is accurately reported in the Crime in Kentucky reports. If If one of my children ever said, you know, Dad... That really was a mislabeled submission <laughs> on my part. I mean, honestly, it, it reminds me of that uh, mislabeled submission. Mislabeled submission. That that v- these lines. lines. It was a misthinking that led to a misspeaking that led uh, to a mishearing. <laughs> I mean, just tell us who ordered you to fabricate this. Yep. And and media, Marcus, whoever, do not let them off the hook. This was not mislabeled. This was an on-purpose fabrication. Everybody knows it. Remember, on the job statistics, it took the Republican Party of Kentucky to piece together how Bashir had arrived at his, more Kentuckians are working. No reporter took the time to figure it out. Sean, where is... Did we vacate? Did we have a motion to vacate (laughs) Sean? It would be unanimous. I was pointing at him, but I realized he's not in his chair. But it took Sean to, like piece it together and figure it out, and then they report it on it. I just, it, it, it's obvious something nefarious is at work here, and it's obvious that people are doing it because they think they can get away with it. Well, the thing about crime and crime st- statistics and, and just the, the reporting on it, 
it's difficult to make the argument with a straight face that crime is coming down <sighs> if you just open your eyes, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, I think most of us understand that. Yes. So, the, I mean, to me, no matter what party you are or, or whatever your thoughts are, to me, you're, you're, if you're serious about governing, it would be, here's what I'm going to do to try to reduce crime. Yeah. Versus don't believe what your lying eyes tell you. Right? No one ever wants to admit What's happening? Like it's like Joe Biden on inflation. Well, you know I'm bringing inflation down. Right? Are you? But I, <laughs> that's the question. You for took you. it to the okay. moon, and now it's halfway between the moon okay. and the earth. But he, yeah, he, you brought he, it. He down. also said he is the one securing the border with no help from congressional Republicans. Let me ask you a question, though. As far and, and, and this word gaslighting was thrown around a whole lot during the Trump administration. Yes. Does it work? Well, they obviously think it works with their people. I mean, I think I think ultimately that's the problem here is that. Biden and Bashir and a lot of these folks, like, they're just creating a narrative that their own people want to hear because they've already concluded that telling the truth doesn't get them, I guess in their mind, doesn't get them anything. So their only responsibility is to craft, a, uh, to craft an alternate reality where everything's fine. I mean, that, that was really Bashir's pitch at the chamber the other night. Yep. Everything's fine. There's not a single problem. We have no problems. There is no learning loss. There is no crime. There is no workforce participation, labor participation rate crisis. There is not a single problem here. Everything is fine. So to, to, so to admit that crime is rising would be to puncture this alternate reality. And so I guess their view of politics is you just create a snow globe and you shake it. And you say, this is, this is the reality and hope enough of your people believe it. it would- and they're willing, and in this case, they're willing to use official government resources to manipulate those resources to create that alternate reality. To erase 100 tragedies. Yeah. I mean, those are all statistics that represent real people. You know what's amazing is Bashir has obviously been attacking Cameron over this crime victim, this rape victim. And yet, and so he's trying to position himself as being the pro-victim candidate. And yet here he is erasing the memory of a hundred crime victims yep. to enhance his public safety record. Can't think of anything more disrespectful to crime victims than to simply erase them from the statistics for political reasons. And then pretend like there's no problem at all. Ugh. We are now less than one month away from election day in Kentucky. Yeah. So uh where does this race stand? It seems to me that the person who gets more than 50% of the vote will win. So uh, in a two-person race. Does this sound about right, Kevin? <sighs> this is expert political analysis with Joe. I feel like you come, you come up, up now, with I, this a I, lot. I bring this up for this reason. So Andy Bashir is the only person currently running for governor who's run for governor before. And the last time he ran for governor, he did not, I don't think he reached more than 50%. He did not. He did not. So the question is, has he been able to solidify or get that number over that over that fifty percent mark? Well, somebody will get fifty percent. I I agree. Neither Bashir or Bevan got it. By the way, should we play the latest Cameron advertisement? I think we should. Do you have it? No, this I, one? I have not seen this. No, I want to see. I want to see Daniel's ad that he released today. Yep. Pointing out the connection between Joe Biden and Andy Bashir. When Joe Biden abused his power and opened the southern border, I took him to court. When Biden mandated vaccines, I got it reversed. When Biden drove up the price of new cars and gas at the pump, I rallied a dozen state governments to block him. Now the Washington liberals want to change our country for the worse. As your governor, I will fight them every day. Andy Bashir, he never will. I'm Daniel Cameron, and I put Kentucky first, even when it's hard. So we're in October, and you know this race has largely been a debate on state policy issues. Now you're seeing Cameron pivot to something that I think really has been an undiscovered or at least unexplored piece of this race, and that is the fact that, that Bashir is an unapologetic supporter of Joe Biden, who is probably the most unpopular politician in the state. 
policies are unpopular. Kentuckians are hurting. They blame Joe Biden. And there's two candidates in this race, one that will put Joe Biden back in office and one that will fight him. And I, I think it's a good move by Cameron. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm, I did see another uh, survey today, Club for Growth, which has been an um, outside group that's been advertising here on behalf of uh, Cameron, has issued a survey showing it a six-point race, tightening from a previous survey. So, And is Bashir over 50%? He is not. He yeah. is at 48 this is my question. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so, if you're the incumbent and you're under fifty, uh, obviously, I mean, he got forty nine point something last time. Now he's at forty eight. So, you know, it it's going to be a close race, and uh, I think Republicans are winning all the rest of the races. I think the state on balance wants to vote Republican, and um, I think I think we're in for a close one here. I really do. But I think Daniel's message here. Uh, I, by the way, I think he's. He's run a good campaign on policy. The public safety plan, yep. the economic principles. I think the catch-up plan on education, looking back at as far as this, the yeah. issues that have just dominated most kitchen table conversations right. the right. last several years, that, that to me is, is Cameron, paramount. Cameron catch-up. We've not seen anything like this out of Bashir. Because, yeah. again, to say that you have a plan to fix learning loss would be to admit that there is learning loss yeah. or that there was a problem with the school closures, which he will not do. Or that you need to fix the economy. Yeah. Uh, so I think Daniel, now though, uh, I mean, this is a real political argument, which is, you know, one of the biggest problems you have is Joe Biden, and I'm the one standing up to him, and Andy Bashir's just too weak to do it. He's just too weak to do it. And, and by the way, we found out in the last few days that Biden transferred hundreds of thousands of dollars to Andy Bashir's campaign. Right. So now Andy Bashir's biggest donor is Joe Biden. And if there's one thing, we know about the Bashirs. They will do anything a donor tells them to do. It's always been that way. So if you want Andy Bashir, if you want Joe Biden pulling Andy Bashir's strings for another four years and them working together to do whatever it is they're doing right now, by all means, have at it. I don't think most Kentuckians want that. Do we have a debate coming up of some type? Yes, there are debates coming up. There is a debate at the Paducah Chamber of Commerce that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Next week. Is it next week? Uh, there is a debate coming up, uh, the Link, Northern Kentucky debate, right? There was supposed to be a debate this week. Uh, Spectrum yes. News. And, Spectrum uh, somebody, somebody decided not to show up, Governor. A little Bashir, scared. Bashir didn't show up for the Mario Anderson, but Daniel did show up and had a conversation with Mario. Uh, there is a debate coming up uh, in October, the WLKY Debate, which I think they've agreed to, and then there's the KET debate. Right. So yes, there are going to be some engagements. I mean, the only the only two joint appearances they've made so far are Fancy Farm and this uh, Chamber, Chamber of Commerce, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Which they were not on stage at the same time. Right, they weren't even in the room really at the same time. Bashir did not show up for the Farm Bureau meet the candidates. Right, and he did not show up for Spectrum. So, um, but Cameron's. Showing up for everything. And by the way, he's Daniel is, and the dude's like making like five to ten stops a day. I mean, right. he really is campaigning hard, all over the place. Yeah, he was down today. I know he was in uh, Southeast Kentucky, down in uh, Corbin and Whitley City, down in that area. So uh, he's been running around. He's been working hard. What have you missed there, Mister Kevin and Mister Scott? Anything you want to talk about before we go? One last thing. I caught this news story in Washington D.C. I, I feel, oh, sp- speaking of crime, yeah, it, it feels to me like the discourse around crime in major cities is changing. And Washington, D.C. has just been plagued by murders and carjackings. And uh, if you go into a store in Washington, D.C., like a drugstore, there's nothing on the shelves. And there was this news report floating around. Play it for us, Kev. It's like 45 or more walk in before school, after school, and late at night chips and drinks. They even throw the food and beverages on the ground and stomp on them, leaving behind a big mess. 
Fox 5 did witness teens doing that while inside the business and even after they walked outside. Staff at CVS have been alerted that thieves are aware of when new shipments come in and that's when they target the store. We're told that street vendors are allegedly paying people to go in and steal stuff so they can resell it. When we walked down 14th Street in Northwest D.C., we did notice street vendors selling toothbrushes, men and women body wash, car fresheners, as well as laundry and cleaning supplies, which are some of the same items no longer available at CVS. So, so you've got you've got that, and then but but here was the crazy part. So they then interviewed just area citizens who who said the following. Bad to do at the same time. They're probably doing it for a reason. They need those things, but they shouldn't just be going in and clearing the shelves because this isn't sustainable for the store. A lot of folks actually can't afford any of the things in there. I'm not saying that ceiling has to be the solution to that, right? However, however, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is. The city can provide more accessible resources to uh. unhoused or under underincome folks that can provide them like hair care, bodily care, hygiene care, etc. That could be. Uh, Let me play a I clip, mean, by the way, from the mayor of Washington, D.C., complaining. All of a sudden, they're now worried that they have a shortage of police officers. Let me, let me, let me, get, let me, get, let me get the mayor queued up here. We need more officers. We don't have the officers that we need, and sadly, we've lost three to 400 officers in the last four years. Um, we haven't had officers in our schools, and we have policies that make it difficult to create Huh. New officers. Now, Kevin, I'm I'm I I have but a moderate <sighs> memory. Can you remind me about the gigantic slogan they painted on the street on in the Washington D.C.? Defund the police. She whiz. I wonder why they have a police officer shortage in Washington D.C. They literally painted on the street. Defund the police. It's no wonder there is a police shortage now. Oh my gosh, we're tired of being murdered, carjacked, and stolen to death. I tell you. What a, I mean, it's like a DC is a failed state. Yep. For many reasons. Yep. <laughs> but this is they say they want to be a state, and that would be malpractice. Oh my goodness. Empowering those people. Well, and you've kind of brought it full circle. I have a very little reason to be encouraged. <laughs> yeah. At this point. Oh, I'll give you a reason if you want some encouragement. All right. Um, we've now actually crossed the threshold. Where you don't even need to have two senators per state, you can now have three. Nah. Maryland, <laughs> Maryland now has three senators, thanks to Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, appointing a Maryland resident to be senator from California. This would be like a candidate running for attorney general and not even being licensed to practice law in the state. No one would for. ever do that. No, no one, one would ever do, do that, that, right? <laughs> no one would ever do that. You know what's amazing is Newsom appointed a lifelong Democrat political operative who controls the largest liberal dark money machine in America. And nobody seems to care. Now, can you imagine if a, Dem- if a Republican governor yep. appointed the head of the NRA, NRA right to life? Uh, I mean, even the... CPAC. I mean, imagine if they can the absolute meltdown that would be going on. Has there been any criticism of this at all? I mean, in the in the mainstream no, media, no, it's all been celebrated. Yep, it's been celebrated. Oh, history. She's the first. She's the first first time a state's had three. <laughs> it's crazy. Literally lives. And then if you if you followed any of this, like her organization had to edit. Yeah. Like her bio, because it was like, she lives in Silver Spring, Maryland. <laughs> and then people were like cleaning up her Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, election denier. She was one of the people back in 2012 claiming, the voting machines are rigged. <laughs> so an election denier, resident of Maryland, dark money purveyor, now senator from California. Thank you, Jackpot. Gavin. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, I have one more thing, Joe. Yes. Uh, I cut you off last week when you were making a well-deserved mea culpa 
uh, about your views oh, on I'd like the, to hear about this. the uh, new baseball rules. And I, I told you at I the time that I, Scott wasn't even here. I think that, first of all, you, you're, you're doing this purposefully. What? And secondly, <laughs> yes. it wasn't really a mea culpa as much as it was a, a clarification. No. Do, you, do you want me get to your, set off the fire alarm again? Get your hand off that fire alarm, Joe Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to open any trap doors for I'm you. Get on the elevator. <laughs> I'm just saying is it's it's unfortunate that they had to pass a rule to have the baseball players play the way they should have in the first place. It was not as distracting as what I feared it was going to be. But, you know, I was standing up for America. And you said Scott was right. By the way, at the I read, and this should make you happy, a happy yeah. note. I, I read that uh, Major League attendance was up. Which we brought up last week, yeah. This year, and, uh, and uh, I think viewership of the game. They still haven't fixed how to watch the games. I mean, at the end of the season, we wanted to watch the St. Louis Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds. We were blacked out. Yeah. So they still haven't quite fixed how the the biggest fans of teams can right. can watch all well, the games. Well, if, if you're if you're paying for the extra innings package, which I am, I'm a subscriber to that and I, and as a result I get every game, but then you're blacked out when the, when they're playing near you, you know. <laughs> um it's a, that's just a, a mistake, which is unfortunate. So yeah. But yeah. uh, anyway, uh, I have very little else to add, gentlemen, other than, um, mm. I, well, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll add one more. This week is a big week in the my extended grout household. Uh, we are recording this Wednesday night, October 4th. Yesterday, the 3rd, was my younger brother Jason's birthday. Tomorrow, the 5th, is my older sister Amy's birthday. It's my nephew Zachary's birthday tomorrow. Well, happy birthday to Jason, Amy, and Zachary. And Zachary. Um, wow. I will say on, on a... Uh, October's a busy month. On the, on the red front, I'm reading, I'm rereading, because I've already read all of Byron Crawford's uh, you know, columns over the years, but his new book, The Back Page, is now out, and there is an event at the Fraser History Museum in downtown Louisville, October 19th, where you can hear the uh, legendary journalist and writer kind of recount some of his favorite stories from over the years. So you can go to KentuckyLiving.com. Sounds amazing. For information on Byron Crawford. A great American and a great Kentuckian. You got it. For Scott, Kevin, Byron, Zach, Amy. Jason. Jason. I'm Joe. We're about to vacate this podcast. (laughs) Fire alarm! Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm.